Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome. And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 52, Oh Canada, the best Canadian actors of all time. Hey, Chris McBride here. This is Pop Goes Your World, and we're back. We took a little bit of time off. For those of you that listen to the show on a regular basis, I uh, just want to touch base and just let you know I did put it up to Twitter, but we obviously didn't have a chance to do a show over the last month or so. Uh, Yancey, as you may or may not know, is from South Florida, and obviously they're dealing with the Hurricane Irma down there, so Yancey had lost power in his house, and now he's doing okay. He's, you know, things are doing okay, but he still hasn't got his internet back, uh, so it's been about a month now that he's been enduring all that stuff, and... Um, we decided, you know, the show must go on. So, you know, we're still going to do a couple episodes of the show, but, you know, until Yancey is back up and running on the internet, I reached out to our good friend, caveman himself, Derek Myers, and said, Derek, hey, Derek, you want to come on the show? You, you're not going to replace Yancey. No one can replace Yancey, of course. But, you know, Derek, would you mind coming on the show and just sitting in uh, for an episode or two until uh, Yancey gets back? And of course, Derek said yes. So, Derek, thanks a lot for doing that. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be on, Chris. And uh, again, as you mentioned, uh, we we uh, are we have our best wishes out to Yancey and his friends and family, and hopefully everyone's doing okay. And from what we've heard, they are, so that's great. And uh, yeah, certainly uh, can't replace him, but we will. Uh, I'll do my best to uh, try and fill his shoes and keep the listeners entertained until he can come back. Well, we appreciate it. It's always good having you on. I should mention, too, off the top of the show, a big thanks again to everyone out there that listens to the show and took the time to nominate us for the podcast awards. That was great. We didn't end up taking home the trophy, Derek. Uh, we actually, Ugh. it's okay. It's all good. We, we got nominated, and that's all that matters, um, you know, in our first year on the show, so that's really cool. Um, the, the, the show that actually won in the category was called We're Drunk and We Know Things. And funny enough, when they mentioned, and the winner is We're Drunk and We Know Things, I thought they were talking about us. <laughs> I don't know. I but hey, they're describing the show. But no, it wasn't us. The fact that we got nominated. You know, you always hear that cliche, right? That you, you know, do, it's, you it's do. an and, honor. And it really is. As, as someone who's never been in the performing arts, I always think that the, the best actors are the ones that don't win when they, you know, cut over to them after they announce their real winner's name. And they're all there smiling and clapping. And I'm like, that guy needs an Oscar. Look at that. He looks like he's not angry at all. And he is livid. Yeah. Boy, can he act. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so we decided since Yancey uh, it, it can't, can't be with us this week and we've got both of us on here and we're both Canadian that what would be better than if we did an episode that was sort of Canadian centric. And the thing is, even if you're American listening to the show, you know, you can relate to it because there's so many great Canadian actors in Hollywood. Like like the, the thing is, considering the fact, Eric, that we're one tenth the size of the United States, we sure funnel a lot of talent into the entertainment industry, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think uh, some of the best Canadian performers are proudly Canadian. And, and whenever they're doing appearances or they're on talk shows, they are always touting their uh, their heritage, the fact that they're from Canada, but working in the States. And um, I think that many of the people on our list, I know most of the people on my list, I'd be amazed if any of the American listeners are going to be surprised when I say, oh, my number five pick is so-and-so, and he's Canadian. And you're going to go, yeah, no kidding. We all knew that. Like, 
The only thing is, is that now I know I've been accused from time to time by some people of being textbook and, and, and I might be tonight. Who knows? I might have a couple textbook answers, but I also, I think that sometimes I pull some out of my ass that are just completely like, they go, what? What is that? And I definitely have one on my list tonight that's going to make you go, what? Really? So, and I think, you know, a lot of people listen and people are like, I've never heard of that guy. But, you know, if you have, you're going to be like, oh man, I totally relate to it. That's all I can say. So anyway, uh, we're going to run right. down our top five um, best Canadian actors of all time. You ready to hit it? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. Nancy, what the hell are you doing to me? There's a girl topless in it. I mean, I'm sure you, you probably have seen it. Boom, 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 boom. Yep. boom, 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 boom <laughs> Spoilers boom. ahead. But he was not my favorite pilot of any of these Star Wars movies. That, of course, was, was Porkins. He might be one of my favorite actors. That's some good shit. I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. The fact that we're kind of nerds. Textbook nerds. I thought I was looking at my mother's old but that's in Ohio. How disappointed was your son whenever you said, I'm going to go take you to see Bare Naked Ladies? And he's like, oh, it's just a concert. What is going <laughs> on, man? Okay, now, before we get started, Capen, before we go back and forth and do our list, um, we mentioned our favorite Canadian actors of all time. I just would like to mention what I would like, what I what I consider to be the worst Canadian actor of all time. So, Caveman, just to put you on the spot, do okay. you have any off the top of your head, any Canadian actors you can think of that you sort of dislike? Oh. Or, or uh, You know what? Let me think about it while, yeah. we're, while we're doing our show. I'll, and then we'll, I'll run down my, my okay. pick, and then you can kind of think of it, because this is one who, not only do I not like this actor, I wish I could kind of disown him just as a country, you know, uh, because, uh, so, and it's Hayden Christensen. And, okay. and and as you know, caveman, around here, I always say that the prequels don't exist, right? Like, because they're so sure, bad. Pre- prequels, what are those? Yeah. And, and one of the reasons they're so bad is, well, there's like a hundred reasons why they suck. But one of the re- main reasons is Hayden Christensen. And if I'm telling you, here's the thing. If you had asked me after the original trilogy, after I watched the original Star Wars trilogy, if you come to me and said, hey, listen, um, how do you think uh, Darth Vader looks under the mask? You know, like when he was younger. And if you asked me to make a list of all the, the descriptors and all the people that he might look like, Hayden Christensen would have been dead last on that list. So, first of all, the way that I see, and this is kind of my, my view of the prequels in general, first of all, who gives a <laughs> what he looks like? Like, first of all, he's the villain. He's not the protagonist. So, who gives a <laughs> So, why even go there? But anyway, the, the answer to my, I guess the answer that I would give is, you know, what does Darth Vader look like when he's younger? You know what my answer would be? A younger version of Sebastian Shaw. Simple. You know, that's a good answer. Or in other that's words, a good answer. Yeah, in other words, not Hayden Christensen. Like he I, I would also accept uh, something resembling Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that, you know, okay, we could maybe go with father, that. that. That would make sense. I, I'd be okay with that too. And you know, like oh, Hayden Christensen, he can't act. He can't act at all. He he scowls at the camera, and the fact that Lucas ruined the end of Jedi by superimposing him over the ghost of Sebastian Shaw just will always be a sore point for me. That, to me, was the greatest ending of any movie I had ever seen when I watched The End of Jedi the first time. I was like, oh, my God, that is perfect. To see Darth Vader there, and he's got his hair, and there's no scars, and he's smiling, and it's Sebastian Shaw. I was like, oh, man, it just made me feel so good. And then it all got ruined. So anyway, so that's just my that's just my. Well, Chris, if this upsets you so much, you should mention it more often on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that to heart. Okay, so okay. <laughs> let's run down our our the, the best Canadian actors of all time, shall okay. we? I'll let you go so, first. You're the guest. Okay. Let's start at your number five. Lay right. it out, and then we'll work our way up from there. 
So again, I, I, I want to say that I'm not going with so much best as much as my personal favorite. Now, cool. these people are all doing. talented in their own right, but from the point of view, uh, these are favorites. And you know what? I got to put them – I got to say up front, this is in no particular order because I really had a hard time ranking them from one to five. I just went – Here's my list of 20. Now it's down to 10. Now it's down to five. I'm going to stick with these five. Here they are. I didn't want to do any of them a disservice of saying this one is better than that one because I think they're all great in their own rights. So I'm going to start the list with one of my favorites. You might have uh, first seen him on TV in the mid-80s as Alex P. Keaton on Family oh, Ties. Yes, yes. Talking about Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Michael J. Fox is from Edmonton, Alberta. And, um, yeah, that, that was my first uh, exposure to Michael J. Fox was uh, on Family Ties, Thursday nights. And then, of course, 1985 was a big year for Michael J. Fox. He was in one of my probably top 20 favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future, which is fantastic. It's one of those movies that when it's on TV, I, I just stop what I'm doing to finish watching it, even though I've I seen agree. the movie a hundred times yep. he was also in Teen Wolf again it's one of those oh, yes. guilty pleasure movies some people love it some people hate it some and my ultimate my ultimate teen crush was Boof yes yes I remember so uh, 85 a big year for Michael J. Fox and then of course he went back to doing Family Ties until the late 80s uh, he ended up I mean he's been in tons of stuff since then he was in Spin City uh, from 1996 to 2001 and this was you know, a chance for him to be back on TV, but as a grown-up instead of as, you know, the teenage son. And uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of the show, but I was a, certainly a big fan of his uh, of his work when I watched it. And then more recently, he's been on, uh, he was on The Good Wife, which yep. is a show I loved. He uh, he had a recurring character, he appeared in 26 episodes. And he was a and bad guy, too. He was such a bad guy. Like, he was the, the, the villain that you love to hate. And it was such a departure from the kind of lovable, likable, boy-next-door, kid-does-well kind of role he had typically been known for so it was really good so anyway number five on my list michael j fox very good well, there might be a little bit of crossover between our lists and we don't share them before there we come be. in but it's all good it's all good okay so my number five i'm gonna go with donald sutherland okay now i know he was in the hunger games movies but i'll tell you what unless you've had a chance to see some of his early work like i don't think you can appreciate just how good of an actor donald sutherland is when i think of him i think of um, his work in movies like mash and Clute and Ordinary People, The Eagle Has Landed. But the thing is, for me, he's also done some other stuff that I like, like Animal House and Gas, like this this Canadian movie, Gas, was good. Uh, he was in the Kentucky Fried movie and Max Dugan Returns. And, and I think he is one of the most unique actors of his generation because he doesn't have sort of those leading man good looks like or that charm. Instead, he's like this quirky character actor. He's got this vibe about him. And but the thing is, he's a really, really, really good actor. And the, the other thing, too, is if you only know Hawkeye from MASH as Alan Alda, I'd suggest going back and watching the, the 1970 Robert Altman film because Donald Sutherland was incredible in that movie. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Alan Alda because what he did in the role was absolutely brilliant. It's just I've always sort of thought Donald Sutherland, he's been kind of underrated you know, for his whole career. And I think he's always been amazing in his role. So he's my number five. Okay. Excellent. Yep. He, he was, he was a, almost made my top five, Chris. He was like my number six. Yeah. He's um, okay. So you're number right. four. Who do you got? My number four. Okay. This famous Canadian actor is really, uh, you know, at the top of his game right now, he previous and, and okay. I just want to say in addition to all of his work as an actor, this guy has, uh, been married to two of the most beautiful women ever. He was married to Scarlett Johansson mm -hmm. and then they got divorced and now he's married to Blake Lively. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about none other than 
Deadpool himself, Ryan Reynolds from Vancouver, BC. And Ryan Reynolds is the kind of guy that I think people, you, you know, there's a love and hate. You either love him or hate him. There's going to be any middle ground with him. But the people that like him, like me, want to believe that he's like pretty much every character he's ever played. You think, you know, that's a guy I would want to hang out with. I'd want to have a beer with. I'd, I'd be happy to, you know, go to a ball game with this guy. Like, he just comes across as being such a nice guy. And everything I've read always seems like he he's he's genuine. So, I mean, he started off, his big sort of big break was on the TV show Two Two guys, a girl, and a pizza place yeah. uh, ran from 98 to 2001. And he was kind of like uh, that goofy slacker kind of guy on there, wasn't he? Like, It's the exact character he always seems to play in that. Uh, you know, the smart, smart-ass, quick-talking, you know, lovable scamp kind of guy. And, um, yeah, he really uh, – he really – made his mark on that and uh interesting side note another uh, fairly famous canadian uh um nathan fillion was mm-hmm. also in that show as well got a break there uh in any case ryan reynolds after that was in van wilder which i think is uh it was probably one of his first bigger movies sort of put him on the map again his van wilder character was almost the same as the character he played on the show um and since then he's been in a ton of different uh comedies and such he and again the, the for the most part he always seems to play the same character but but uh, there's a couple of movies that uh, that he was in that he, he did really well. There's one called Definitely Maybe from 2008 where he plays a single dad. And um, it, it's really good. It's one of those ones where you sort of – it's a chick flick and you don't want to necessarily admit that you've seen it or enjoyed it. But it was actually quite good. So if you're a fan of Ryan Reynolds and you only know him from Deadpool or um, – Van Wilder like this is one of those movies where you get to see like this guy actually has some some talent like he's a decent actor he's got some range um also one of my personal favorites of his um was a movie called Waiting from 2005 this is a movie uh it takes place in like a one day one or two days in a in like a restaurant it's it was like a TGI Fridays or something where they're the wait staff the waiting they're all waiters and if you like the movie Clerks by Kevin Smith from uh, the mid-90s, this is that kind of movie. It's definitely that filthy and raunchy, uh, except it's about waiters. So if you've ever had a job in the food service industry and you haven't seen Waiting, I would strongly encourage you to go and uh, find a copy, um, download it, buy it, pick it up, stream it, what have you. But uh, yeah, so anyway, my number four is Ryan Reynolds currently uh, making the round, making the rounds as Deadpool. Yeah, it's funny. I was mentioned to my wife that I was going to be doing the show. I said, hey, we're going back in the studio to do the show tonight. She's like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? I said, uh, best Canadian actors of all time. She's like, oh, well, you have to mention Ryan Gosling and Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, well, why? Because you like them both? Like, do you think they're good actors? No, no, no. I think they're hot. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah that's, <laughs> yeah, of course. That's why I'm going to mention it. But uh, so anyway, it, it got into the show because I certainly mentioned either one of those guys. Uh, okay. So my number four. Okay. This, this is where we're going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. So just hear me out on this one. Okay, Cave? Okay. One thing I always try to look for in what I consider to be a good actor is a quality of uniqueness, okay? So it's not, it's not just enough to be a good actor. Like, I'm mean, the world's full of good actors, right? So what's always sort of drawn me to certain actors is some of the intangible qualities that set them apart. So my number four is Chris Makepeace. And Chris Makepeace, for people are going, what? Who the heck is this? Chris- I, I have no idea who that is. Okay, so Chris Makepeace is a Canadian actor. He had a very, very short career, but it was a good one. Uh, at least in my opinion, anyway, it was. Uh, so it pretty much, his career came down to really basically two roles. Uh, but they were two of my absolute favorite movies from when I was a kid. So he's always been an actor that I've liked and I was related to. So one was Meatballs, and he was Rudy Gurner, of course, in that movie. And another movie that I absolutely loved when I was a kid, 
and that was my bodyguard. And so for anyone that thinks, and you probably have never heard of it, but if anyone that thinks there's no good teen movies outside of maybe John Hughes, I would challenge you to go and find and watch My Bodyguard. It's from 1980, and it stars Chris Makepeace as Clifford Peach. And basically, the premise of the movie is his dad gets a a new job in a new city, so he moves to a new school, and of course, he runs into the school bullies. And the head bully is played by Matt Dillon. And the thing is, instead of just letting these bullies push him around, what he does is he goes and recruits this kind of big loner guy that everyone's scared of, and he makes this guy be his bodyguard to protect him from the bullies. And have you have you ever seen that movie, Caveman? Are you you're familiar with it? It's it's ringing bells. I think I might have seen it in the '80s, but I have certainly not seen it since then. It's incredible. It's directed by Tony Bill and. It's actually pretty seminal, too, because um, there's actors like Adam Baldwin, who played uh, Linderman, the the bodyguard in it. And it was it was Joan Cusack's first movie role. And Jennifer Beals was in it. And George Went, I think, was his first movie role, too. Um, so the thing about the movie My Bodyguard that, that I like, that's unlike a lot of movies about teenagers, is it's incredibly real. Like the characters are real, they deal with reissue, real issues like 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 bullying, like I mentioned, and they talk about suicide and mental health and violence. And the thing was, at the time when the movie came out, I had just moved to a new school, and I was dealing with a set of bullies, and one bully in particular. And I saw this movie, and I just related to it immediately. And it also made me believe that I could fight back too, and I did. So the movie really, really holds a special place in my heart. And I know lots of people talk about how they relate to a certain movie or a particular scene. That is this movie for me. And it had a profound impact on me when I was young. And I just thought Chris Makepeace was one of the most relatable movie actors I'd ever seen in my entire life. And of course, he was in Meatballs. And I already mentioned previously on the podcast how much I love that movie. But uh, I think a lot of people may have never heard of him. But to me, Chris Makepeace is one of my favorite Canadian actors of all time. So I wanted to get him in there. That's my number four. So kind of weird, but number three for you. Well, if I was you, I would find Chris Makepeace through social media and send him a link to this podcast because it's probably the first press he's had in a decade. <laughs> but very deservedly so. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you've just been singing his praises. Suddenly he's, he's awesome. going to, you know, skyrocket up on uh, on Twitter and IMDb. People are going to be looking him up. Who the heck is this guy? All right. Uh, so number three on my list, I am going to go with William Shatner, Captain Ooh, Kirk yes. himself. All right. William Shatner, born in Montreal. That Quebec. is a good choice. Oh, my. Absolutely, it is. So, um, I mean, I think the vast majority of our listeners are going to know William Shatner mostly from Star Trek. He was Captain Kirk in Star Trek uh, in the 60s. He was Captain Kirk in Star Trek when they did six movies with the original cast and the seventh movie with the next-gen cast. He is Star Trek all over the place. And uh, obviously, in uh, as social media has, has become a thing over the last decade or so, he's become a big uh, social media guy as well. He's got a pop culture presence. He's at conventions the whole bit. He's really uh, taken to heart in his more senior years the the fame that has come from his Captain Kirk celebrity. But, I mean, he, he also uh, appeared in a number of other things uh, before... Um, before Star Trek, he was in a legal drama called The Defenders in the mid-60s and uh, got a lot of critical acclaim for that. And um, after Star Trek, I mean, he ended up uh, – he was in the, the television show T.J. Hooker for five years from 82 yep. to 86. Um, so, I mean, the guy's got some chops. And then um, – not really known for comedy per se, but uh, in the uh, in the '90s he was in Third Rock from the Sun. If you remember that show, uh, he had a, a small role, uh, but appeared in a number of episodes as the big giant head. And um, and then in uh, 2004, 
he was in Boston Legal playing the role of Denny Crane. Oh, he was now, great. I came to Boston Legal a few years after it started airing, and I could not believe how good William Shatner was in that. He ended up being nominated. Uh, he ended up winning two Emmys for playing Denny Crane and a Golden Globe. And let me tell you, if this had been and if he had been any other actor, like he was known at that point as the Star Trek guy, mm-hmm. and now he's doing serious drama, but he's still the Star Trek guy. And he won these awards, and a lot of people were saying things like, well, it's for his body of work. You know, you get that for the Oscars a lot. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio won for The Revenant, not a great movie, but it's for his body of work. Mm-hmm. I, I got to disagree. I think if this had been any other actor who had won playing this role and done a, this good a job, that would have been the headline. It would have been like, you know, this actor playing this role won these awards. Isn't he fantastic? But I think that his his win was almost downplayed, um, you know, uh, by the fact that he was the Star Trek guy, which which is unfortunate because if if you're a fan of Shatner and you have not seen Boston Legal, do yourself a favor, find it. It's also starring James Spader. It's got a number of other people whose names are escaping me now who have gone on to do great things. You're gonna go, oh, I know her, the the mom from Modern Families in it, not Sofia Vergara, the other one, the blonde one who keeps winning all the uh, the Emmys. Um, Fantastic cast, fantastic show. So anyway, uh, that's enough rambling on William Shatner is my number third greatest Canadian actor of all time. I like how you mentioned how he kind of segued into comedy because I, you also got to remember he was in Airplane 2, the sequel. And, and and Airplane was really known for taking serious actors and throwing them into these com- comedic roles. And they did it with him in Airplane 2, the sequel. But for me, 1986, when he was on SNL, when he did that sketch, remember that <laughs> yeah. sketch that he did about he was at like a, like a Comic-Con convention? Star Trek convention. And he something. just turns on the fans. He's like, you know, you, you with the ears, have you ever kissed a woman? You know, get out of your parents' basements and and all this. And it was just so funny. So that was so good. Uh, That's a good pick. Okay. My number three, I'm going with John Candy. And I like the thing with John Candy is I think there's a lot more than than met the eye with John Candy. And let me delve into that a little bit. So when it came to just absolute likability, there was no one else quite like him. You know, and he obviously died way too young. I remember when I heard the news back in 94, I was, I was truly, truly sad. And he was something else. But the thing is, when a lot of people think of him, they think about his movies. And rightly so. You know, they were good. No question. But to me, John Candy's gift to the world and the reason that I will always love that guy was the work he did on SCTV. He was unreal. And it didn't matter what role he did on that show. He killed it. And the thing that made him different than most actors that were kind of similar to his kind of style is that instead of just playing that kind of like lovable, roly-poly, chubby guy, you know, he he sort of, he always had a bit of an edge to his stuff. And the thing is, like, when he went into Hollywood and he started making movies, I, I feel like Hollywood kind of pigeonholed him into the, those kind of lovable big guy roles, you know, especially yeah. something like Planes, Trains and Automobiles, you know, which don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was a great movie. But that kind of played up the stereotype a little bit. Um, the guy was never going to be this leading man type. You know, he was always sort of destined to be a character actor, although he was definitely one to steal every scene that he was in. If you think about Home Alone. When he did that scene with Catherine O'Hara in the back of the truck, which was completely improvised, by the way, <laughs> he almost stole that entire movie. You know, like oh, it was so good. And and I always, I always actually thought his best movie role was actually as Ox in Stripes, because to me, in that role, he was the big kind of oafy kind of guy. But again, like I mentioned before, he had a bit of an edge to him. 
Like, I mean, he bullied uh, that cruiser. He tried to choke uh, Russell when Russell was, was making fun. He mud wrestled, <clears throat> and then he beat the hell out of a bunch of women at a strip club. And, K-Ben, have you ever heard of a movie called Going Berserk? No, I can't say that a I have. little Canadian movie, but it's awesome. And it's got John Candy, Joe Flaherty, and Eugene Levy in it. And the reason I mention it, again, if you only know John Candy from something like Spaceballs, which is amazing, of course, but again, in Spaceballs, he was that lovable character, Barf, right? And if you watch him do something like going berserk, or even in Splash, his role in Splash, he brings an edge to those roles. And I think that's always what made him special. So, you know, he wasn't just that big lovable guy. He was he was a really interesting guy. But like I said, movies aside, what he did on SCTV was otherworldly, in my opinion. Like Julia Child, and he was Johnny LaRue, Tommy Shanks, Dr. Tongue, William B. Williams, and, and Mike Roach on Night School High Q. Like the, you could go on forever. He John Candy was an incredible actor and one that we obviously lost way too soon. And number three on my list. So on to your number two. Good pick. Again, John Candy definitely made my top 10 short list, but I figured you might have them, so I, I left them off. All right. My number two, I I really think is going to be on your list, and I, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder. I'm going to go with Dan Aykroyd yes. from Ottawa, Ontario. So I think most people know Dan Aykroyd as uh, you know a Saturday Night Live alumnus from the very early years. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he on from the very beginning, or did he come in on the second season? SNL, first year first year okay Uh, what I didn't know until I just looked him up uh, this week was he actually won an Emmy as part of the writing staff for Saturday Night Live in in 1977 he's unheralded for his writing skills let me tell you and I'll go into that in a bit in a minute yeah Um, okay another quick trivia question for you did you know uh, two things he was nominated for an Oscar do you know what movie he was nominated for Uh, Driving Miss Daisy yeah, yep. yeah, I, that I knew. Uh, the other piece of trivia that uh, the people don't realize, and and but I always seem to remember, is he had a very small part in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Very small part, like he was in it for like a minute or two. But um, when the next time you happen to be watching Temple of Doom, keep your eyes open for uh, for Dan Aykroyd. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in any case, so started, you know, got his big break on Saturday Night Live. And uh, from there, uh, did a bunch of movies with, uh, you know, his good friend, uh, uh, Belushi. They did the Blues Brothers in uh, in 81, which was a fantastic movie. Arguably one of the best movies that spun out from Saturday Night Live, um, which we may talk more about in a bit. The best, um, the and, best then, one, yeah. and then, of course, uh, Ghostbusters. That, that was, for me... Um, you know, my real introduction to Dan Aykroyd. I was 10 years old. Ghostbusters came out in the theater. I probably saw it 10 times that summer, you know, paying my, I got to think it was about $2 admission at the time and just saw it over and over again. When it came out on VHS video cassette, I begged my parents to buy me a copy and they finally did. And I, you know, I wore out the original Ghostbusters video, uh, just loved it so much. Uh, and then, you know, Spies Like Us the following year in 85. One of my uh, guilty pleasure movies is the movie Sneakers from 1992, which has a huge cast, including Dan Aykroyd. Love him in that. And uh, yeah, he's just, uh, he's great. He's, he's got so many credits to his name. He's still working. Um, uh, one of the, the roles I loved him in was Gross Point Blank in 1997. He plays a hitman. Uh, again, it's a comedy with uh, with John Cusack, but you know, just he's still in the comedy genre, but he's playing a character that was sort of different than what he had played before. Um, Dan Aykroyd, always great, and uh, I'm glad he's still putting out uh, uh, great material to this day. Strong actor, strong writer, and uh, a very well known and famous and proud Canadian. 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great pick. I agree. And there's going to be some uh, crossover for sure, like we said. <clears throat> so my number two, I'm going to go with the one you already mentioned. That's Michael J. Fox. I I agree with you. If, if Family Ties didn't do it for me, then definitely Back to the Future and Teen Wolf sort of cemented it. Michael J. Fox was one of my favorite actors from the 80s. And I think Alex P. Keaton is just about as iconic a character as you can absolutely get. Like, he basically defined an entire me generation of selfish conservatism, you know, that was rampant in that decade, too. And, like, timing is everything. And Michael J. Fox came along at just the right time. And the guy had charisma. And, like, who else could have made Alex P. Keaton likable and make him so likable? That would have been... That's tough to pull off. And so he had amazing comedy and acting chops... And I think if you want proof of that, go back and find the dailies from Back to the Future when Eric Stoltz was originally cast to play Marty McFly. You can find them on the DVD or even on YouTube, I think. And you watch Eric Stoltz really struggle, struggle through that role. And then you realize, and that's nothing to take away from Eric Stoltz. He's a great actor, but it makes you realize just how good Michael J. Fox is. Like his, his, the handle that he had on that subtle comedy in that, in that script is fantastic. He's one of a kind, brilliant actor. He finds these nuances in a performance that put him on another level than, than most other actors. And like I say, he was in one of my favorite TV shows of the 80s. He was in one of my favorite movies of the 80s. And best of all, he's Canadian. So that's why he's number two on my list. Who do you, moving and, on to your number one. And, and from what I understand, he's a, probably not so much anymore, but was a very decent hockey player. Yes. As I'm yes, sure many was. of the people on our list are or were. Um, and, so and, another, look, and, and sorry, yes, if fine. I can just go into it to another pattern that I think we see with a lot of these guys I don't know if it's just because they're Canadian but especially with someone like him like you never ever heard anything bad about the guy you never heard like oh he's really difficult to work with you know although well, Mike Myers is really tough to work with so there are some Canadians are jerks but um, but like Michael J. Fox you never heard he was a bad guy he was always good you never heard any scandal he was always like a, just a decent decent guy and, and he just strikes me as being somebody who if I was an actor I would just love to work with that guy yeah you know? yeah I agree no, amazing. Okay, so who do you have for your nice. number one? Okay, before I go to my number one, yes, I got a couple honorable mentions. For so sure, I, I for sure. I put together my list. Yeah. And after we talked about this, you know, we, we talked a few days and we said, hey, let's do this topic. And I immediately put pen to paper and I put down 10 names in like 30 seconds. And then I started thinking about it some more and I got five more names, no problem. And then I realized all the names were men. All the people that were coming to mind as these great Canadian performers were all men. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, okay, um, you know, let, let's make sure that the women get at least, uh, you know, a shout out because there are some fantastic uh, female performers that are Canadian. Sure. Um, but since part of our show was I'm going to do the ones that, that are my favorites, many of them stem from my childhood and they're they're men. But I want to give a shout out to two great female uh, performers. The first one is Anna Paquin. She's from Winnipeg, yes. Manitoba. She won an Oscar for the movie The Piano in 1993. Youngest, uh, youngest Oscar recipient ever. Yes, she has um, gone on to be to gain a lot of fame. She was Rogue in in four different X Men movies. She was the star of the television show True Blood. She actually won a Golden Globe for a performance in True Blood in two thousand and nine. Um, so definitely deserving to be on the list. I wanted to give her a shout out, even though she didn't quite make the cut for me. And she and was another, in a, sorry, and she was in a yes. really good movie called The Squid and the Whale. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's really really quirky, weird movie, kind of a character study film. But she was really good in that too. Excellent. And then another one, and again, the only reason this one's not on my list is because I've never actually seen her or anything, um, and I'm not even sure if I'm going to pronounce this right. Tatiana Maslany. 
she is the the uh, young woman who is in Orphan Black. Uh, now, the premise for Orphan Black, I think, had a four or five year run. It was from tw- 2013 to 2017. It just finished like a couple of months ago. She was nominated for an Emmy in 2015 and won the Emmy in 2016 for this performance in the show. Essentially, the, the premise of Orphan Black is there's like all these clones of, of this same person exist in the show and so on some episodes she plays as many as like 10 different parts and makes each character absolutely unique you never for a second just think well that character is the same as that character although it's the same actress playing all of these roles she really makes you believe that this could be you know multiple women playing these parts uh she's that good um i've only seen a handful of episodes of the show myself she's young she's up and coming i think she's going to be someone to watch in the future so i i just felt we had to do our due diligence and uh and give her a shout out as well so those are the ladies getting a couple of shout outs but i'm going to move on to my number one another gentleman uh my namesake mike myers who you just mentioned was difficult to work with yeah very difficult. Uh, so Although Mike Myers and I share the same name, we are not related. Yes, they're spelled the same. Yes, we're both from Toronto. Yes, we both grew up in Scarborough, which is one of the neighborhoods in Toronto. Not related in any way, shape, or form. It's just coincidence. Uh, Although when I went away to university, people always asked me, oh, you're Myers from Scarborough. Are you related to Mike Myers? So I might occasionally have told the girls, yeah, you know, he's my distant cousin. Just to get that in, you know, you always need an icebreaker when you're meeting new people. You old dog. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) we'll leave that story at that. But anyway, Mike Myers... uh, I got to think that by this point, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows who this guy is. He was in Saturday Night Live from 1990 to 1994. He broke out with the movie Wayne's World in 92 and the sequel in 93. Um, he's famous for the Austin Powers movie franchise, uh, the first one from 97, The Spy Who Shagged Me in 99, Gold Member in 2002. And then, of course, as he got a little older, he wanted to do things that were a little more family friendly, and he voiced the character of Shrek. So Shrek first appeared on the screen in 2001 and then went on to make three more Shrek movies as well as TV specials and 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 all sorts of other stuff. Mike Myers has been in a ton of stuff. He's most well known for his comedic chops, but has done some pretty decent serious performances as well along the way. Um from what I understand, he is doing yet another Austin Powers movie, which I personally am looking forward to seeing. Nice. And I mean, you got you to gotta keep in mind, with these Austin Powers movies, he's playing Austin Powers. He's playing Dr. Evil. He's playing Fat Bastard. He's playing Goldmember. He's he's playing multiple characters, um, which, I mean, I think anyone who came from a, the kind of background like Saturday Night Live is going to be able to pull that off. And, and Second City, too, right? Where, where he gets well, started. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think there's any – he makes any bones about uh, the fact that he is playing these roles. Like, you know, he's just having fun with them and uh, – I've always enjoyed his work, and I look forward to continuing to enjoy his work. So he's my number one. Yep, and he did do some drama. Like I think it was Fifty Four was the one that they. Yeah, 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 that's what came to mind. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so my number one, you've already mentioned him. I'm going with Dan Aykroyd, and for for me, one of the most defining influences on the modern American comedy genre is the original cast of Saturday Night Live. Okay, I've mentioned that on previous shows. That cast was incredible. They were all sort of uniquely talented in their own way. And I mentioned earlier how I like actors that are unique, right? And bring something kind of original to the table. And as far as I'm concerned, no one has ever been quite like and never will be quite like Dan Aykroyd. His talent is so unique and distinct. Like there there could never be anyone like him again. He has the ability to kind of rattle off these incredibly sophisticated 
technical jargon. Like it's like a machine gun. And, but then he's also perfectly comfortable playing the straight man most of the time. But the thing is, as I mentioned before, when you were talking about, he's one of the best comedy writers that has ever lived and grossly underrated for his dramatic roles as well. Uh, We mentioned driving Miss Daisy and, and especially for me and my girl, like he was outstanding standing in that movie but it's obviously his comedy he's always going to be best known for it and deservedly so um i think if you go back and watch what he did on the old snl and i'm talking about like weekend update with and the basomatic yeah. 76 and the refrigerator repairman and and jimmy carter <laughs> like the list goes on right but yep. um the thing was too his impact in comedy movies doesn't just make him great in my mind it makes him a legendary so you mentioned he started off with the blues brothers and neighbors and then when Belushi died, he did Dr. Detroit, and it bombed. Although, even though I love that movie. But yeah, I liked it too. I think, it, I think the movie bombed because a lot of people really associated him so strongly with Belushi, and they thought, oh, he can't do anything on his own. And then he went on to basically define the landscape of American comedy films forever with Trading Places and Spies Like Us, and of course, Ghostbusters, as you mentioned. And, and funny enough, as a story, both Spies Like Us and Ghostbusters, he wrote those years before they got yep. made. And he yep. wrote them as a vehicle for him and Belushi to do. Belushi was supposed to play Venkman in Ghostbusters, and he was supposed to play Emmett Fitzhuman Spies Like Us. And obviously, you know, he died of a drug overdose in March of 82. So, you know, Ackroyd pressed on, and he went on to make those movies with Bill Murray and Chevy Chase, obviously. But I just don't think Dan Ackroyd gets the credit he deserves. And when you think of the genre of sort of the modern comedy movie, he's probably one of the single most influential people behind it all. And, and, and if you think about it, it's funny how it all came about because he wasn't even originally scheduled to audition for Saturday Night Live when they were putting together the original cast. He was doing Second City in Toronto with Gilda Radner, and she got the call to go down to audition to, for Saturday Night Live in New York. He didn't, but she needed to drive. She needed to get to New York. So he put her on the back of his motorcycle and drove her down to Manhattan. And she went into audition and he waited in the hall. And then the casting guy comes out and is like, uh, okay, you coming in for your audition? And he's like, what, me? And so he went in and he just did that thing with that sort of machine gun rapid fire dialogue and they were blown away. And it's just amazing how sometimes things come down to luck, you know, or circumstance yep. and just being in the right place at the right time. But not only was he lucky and he got a break, but he had the chops to back it up. And like I say, he changed the landscape of comedy. So for that reason, he will always be my favorite Canadian actor of all time. So that was a good nice. list. Good list. Nice. Yeah. Really, you really you mentioned a minute ago, you said that you don't think he gets respect. And that immediately made me think of um, – so now I've, I'm a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. I always have been. I, I don't miss it. I watch it live almost every single week. And when I can't watch it live, I record it and watch it the next day because I don't want stuff to be ruined for me on social media. And there was an episode a couple years ago where one of the hosts – it might have been Melissa McCarthy – got into the five-time hosts club the five-timers club and steve martin was there and alec baldwin was there and they all had their smoking jackets on <laughs> yeah and dan Aykroyd was forced to 10 bar for all of the <laughs> lounge and they're like so Aykroyd, yeah. you're you're very well respected like come on you were one of the original cast members don't you aren't you remember the five-timers he's like the only way i get in here was to tend the bar like and they were all <laughs> making fun of him because they he wasn't a five-time host and so when you said he doesn't get respect like that that's a Immediately where my mind that was went. the joke of the, of the sketch right like yeah yeah that's so cool oh man yeah. i tell you no that was a great great list um awesome. okay so are you ready to have some fun with caveman okay so this one's gonna be a little bit different this week so since you're a special guest on the podcast i thought that i would throw you sort of right into the fire 
So hopefully okay. you're, you're up to this. What we're going to do, uh, Caveman, is we're going to play a round of the winner's circle. From the <laughs> oh, one, I love this. From the $100,000 pyramid. Chris, Chris, you know me. I love game shows. I have two specialty channels on my on my cable box right now one of them is GSM? retro music video channel and the other is the game show yes. network oh i love the game show network oh. the, the only thing is is though i get mad at the game show network because now they show like a lot of newer shows or they produce their own shows i want all the old stuff from like the 70s and 80s i love that stuff i could watch it all day long so now you're going to be thrust into it so you're going to be actually doing this so uh right. okay so k ben here's how it's going to work i'm going to give you a list of movies or tv shows your job is to name the Canadian actor that appears in those movies or shows. Okay? Okay. You got it? It's, I, I list I list the movies or shows. You name the Canadian actor. You all set? Okay. Go. Once Bitten. Earth Girl. Carry. Very good. Freaks and Geeks. Seth Rogen. Very good. <laughs> Awake. Factory Girl. Shattered Glass. Jumper. Hayden Christensen. Oh, God, I hate that guy. <laughs> Ticket to Heaven. Porkies. Police Academy. Mannequin. Big Trouble in oh, Little China. Uh, uh, the girl from Sex and the City. What's her name? Kim Gantrell. Yes. <laughs> A Few Good Men. Flatliners. Stan. Parenthood, Ghostbusters. Rick Moranis. Yes. Oh, you're killing it! I want hundred thousand dollars. Mail the check. Oh man, your check will be ready. We'll mail the check out to you. Absolutely, We're, Yancey will mail the check out to you. Just contact oh, him. I'll give you his. It's it's at Yancey on Twitter. And okay. and, if, and if anybody wants to reach me, of course you can get me at C McBrien. And of course, Derek, you're available at Amaron underscore DM. Derek, thank you, thank you very much for joining us this week on the show. I really appreciate you filling, and that was awesome. I, I had a great time as always, Chris. Thanks again for having me on, and I look forward to uh, the, when Yancey comes back to do the shows. But if if he can't make it on, I'm happy to uh, to try and continue to fill his shoes until he does. Absolutely, we'll be in touch for sure. And and the thing is, I think you went to the top of the pyramid in record time. I think you beat Billy Crystal's old record of like you know eleven seconds. Four so seconds. You, oh, that was fantastic. You were just you were great. So that was just exciting. So uh, yeah. So if, uh, if like I say, if you want to reach us on Twitter, that's how you can get a hold of us. You can always go to popgoesyourworld.com. All of our contact information is on there if you want to shoot us an email or anything like that. Hopefully we're going to have Yance Eaton back next week. Derek mentioned himself if Yancey can't make it, you'll sit in again next week. Hopefully that'll be great. Until then, it's Chris McBrien saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C. McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.